Hola, hello, hi, bienvenido, and welcome back or welcome to Mentors Today. Today, we've got an eight-clap UCLA person and a Go Bears Cal Berkeley person in the house, and I couldn't be more excited about that to be joined by Trish Halamanderas. Trish Halamanderas is the director of the Venture Accelerator at UCLA's Anderson School of Management. Her name here in LA in the innovation entrepreneurial economy is synonymous with growth and representation and equality and success. Um, and so we're super grateful to have her here to tell her version of the story of what's going on here in LA. Um, but first, let's learn a little bit more about her as the director of the Venture Accelerator at UCLA Anderson. She's been instrumental in shaping the startup landscape here, but also beyond. In her role, she's not only developed and launched highly competitive accelerator program, but has also provided invaluable guidance to early stage startups, helping them navigate the journey from inception to acquisition. Under her leadership, this program has achieved an impressive 85% success rate with acquisitions and millions in funding raised by the companies that come through the program. She's worked across technology, entertainment, consumer packaged goods, and nonprofits. She, over the course of her careers, had a direct hand in generating more than a billion, one with a B billion in sales and revenue, building award-winning teams at companies like Amazon, Walt Disney Company, EA, Electronic Arts, Procter & Gamble, and XPRIZE. She's known for her expertise in brand positioning, product innovation, and creating strategic partnerships. Beyond that, as I've already said, she's an active leader in the community. She holds an MBA from UCLA, as we mentioned, and a bachelor's degree in finance and accounting from UC Berkeley, Go Bears. Her journey is truly a testament to what can be achieved through dedication, strategic thinking, passion for innovation, and just, frankly, longevity, right? And just, just staying in the game and continuing to turn around and share all that you have achieved and learned with others. So Trish, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Oh my God, Rob, this is great. Thank you for having me. And that intro was amazing. It's your life story. Thank you. I'm going to bring you with me everywhere I go. <laughs> it's your life story. That's the amazing part about it, right? <laughs> Let's dive right into it. Tell me a little bit. Are you from here in LA? Are you from California? And then, and then the, the familial question that I'm really curious about, and I, I ask people this often, was business or entrepreneurship kind of present in your family growing up or not? Uh, interesting question. So my parents are definitely uh, first generation, but my dad was an electrical engineer and I think I took a lot of my traits from him. So believe it or not, for his generation, his career was pretty much like my career and he became a turnaround guy. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, still to this day, I'm a big tomboy. I really have played, I played competitive sports my whole life and I probably look at life as a sport. And I'm somebody who's innately curious. So I'm always curious, like, what's going on? How did that get done? Why is it the way it is? Can it be done better? So always challenging, which I think really drives my boss crazy. But it's just how my DNA and how I think. And probably that's fueled a lot of the jumps in my career because I feel like that wasn't planned. But I feel like if I could make an impact, a true impact, I did. And then when that time kind of slowed down, maybe I went to the place where I could keep pace. And that was one thing with my dad as an engineer. I love tech because of pace. It forces pace in the day, in the thinking. And so I always align myself with tech in some capacity. But then also from a marketing perspective, um, I love the intersection. And to this day, I'm obsessed with consumer behavior and technology and business, right? Like how do you get somebody to do what you need them to do? 
And it's part science and part art. And that's what makes it fun. And that's what makes it difficult. And I think that's what kind of gets me up in the morning, whatever it is that I'm doing or working on or working with. And I think for me too, because I am truly a tomboy or such, I live by uh, the law of sport. I love a team win much more so than an individual win. And so, you know, my career, I've really focused on giving back a lot as a manager to my teams and to people to help build people because there's nothing better than a team win. That high you can't replicate. At least for me, I value that more than an individual win. So I orient towards that a lot and know that about myself. Uh, So I put myself in positions where, you know, something is either a lot like my dad. It's either a turnaround or it's not happening. And I know that I can get in and make something happen, either build it, launch it. And so that's kind of been my general orientation. There's a through line to the insanity on my LinkedIn, but I think that's kind of the thinking behind a lot of it. Funny, funny thing is, like my my daughter just who just turned thirty, right? She she has been telling me for years, Dad, you know, we're designing our career as like a portfolio, and that's that's what you did. That's essentially what I did. It's just that in back in our day, they didn't call it that, right? So 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 you and I were just doing it. But I love I love that. I want to pull on that a little bit. Like I love that you put yourself in circumstances where there was an opportunity to have an impact to to grow something, right? To build a team, but then you were aware of or cognizant of the moment when like, okay, I did my job like that, like this company or this organization inside of this big company needed me to do this. And it was interesting to me because of this. But now that we've gotten through that phase, like this isn't my thing. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to be the, is that, is that what I'm hearing? Like, I don't want to be like the the mid-level manager who maintains, I wanted to be the growth person. Yeah, definitely. And still to this day, you know, I still like, that's why I love technology. And it's interesting with AI, you know, that I think is definitely going to impact the way we live our lives and the way we work for sure. And, you know, all that is just so interesting to me because there's also also the human behavior component. I think the technology and even in the engineers that we work with here at UCLA at the School of Samueli, engineering is very creative. People don't think about it that way, but they're solving problems every day that they have to figure out. And so I've always loved partnering with technology people. So, for example, when I went to Electronic Arts, because at the time EA hadn't really done something like The Sims or SimCity, they put me on Maxis with Will Wright, who is a genius. And I was handed The Sims. They're like, well, here, go figure out how to launch this thing. Wow. And, you know, so we did the original packaging, which was the dollhouse, which back in uh, that era, gamers weren't. You know, there weren't that many female gamers. They weren't, they didn't want a dollhouse on their game. You know, when we took it to E3 in the day, they were like, this is so creepy. It's interesting. Uh, And, you know, and so the press and the PR was great. And the, you know, I had an amazing product thanks to Will, but the rest was history. But I think we put together a very provocative launch plan. And, you know, and that was fun. And those are ideal, I think those are ideal partnerships, you know, where you can really take somebody who understands business and people. Yep. And then partner that with the technical mind and go to market with something that's really interesting and somewhat different. I love that's ideal for me. But to answer your earlier question too, by the way, I am a I am a native of California and Southern California. Nice, that's awesome. Uh, and the, and thus again, the academic career that has kept it in the house here, kept it in the family of of the UC system. I'm a public school kid. Ironically, my brother's the opposite. He went to Stanford and SC. So he, we have lots of good game day right? conversations. <laughs> it keeps, it keeps the rivalry going strong. Okay. So let's talk about LA, right? Cause I think, I think just based on what you just described about yourself, right? This, 
this nexus of creativity, curiosity, the, the intersection of, sci- of the science and the art of business, right? To me, that's Los Angeles. I, like, so, so we're, we're here, we, as we say here, long LA, right? Yes. What is it about LA that is, seems to be such a natural fit for you? And then what is it about LA that you see, like I do, that it has such just amazing, unique potential? Oh yeah, I think I think right now is the time to be in LA. I think LA uh, startup culture is intoxicating, and there's a, an immense amount of growth. So there's a lot about LA that keeps me here. Number one, it is extremely collaborative. I think people look at LA and they're like, "Oh, it's huge, it's massive." There's traffic. All that's true, but what's interesting about the startup ecosystem is actually it's a microclimate. Everybody supports everybody. Our companies go to other people's programs. The other people's programs come to ours. Mentors and speakers we have that, yes, they might be not only Anderson, but UCLA alumni, but we have people that are just at that point in their career who live in LA, who want to engage and do so in our program pro bono. Um, So it's awesome, right? Because it's really everybody coming together to lift the market. There's also great momentum. I think LA, um, and this kind of gets into a little bit about our submission, which is LA is a hugely diverse market, both in industry and in types of founders. And I think that's a strength. You know, there's been a ton of research done and definitely at UCLA by neuroscientists and others. And it says, if you have teams that are comprised of people that are not alike, age, gender, sexual orientation, whatever, you will actually perform stronger in business and against real results. And we're now seeing that, right, with the underdog, as you call it, founder. They are performing better profitably. So there's no mathematical reason not to be funding an under an underserved founder. Right. You know, it used to be that. And so it really just starts to get back to unconscious bias, who's cutting checks, you know, and really starting to um, provide access to people who are equally capable that just, you know, those glass ceilings have been there and still are. And trying to get that, break those down. And because we are some of the elders, I would say, in the community. You know, one of my one of my wins is really like, what's your legacy? You know, and again, I'm really a people person. I really orient towards people. And when I took this job six years ago to come in and build the platform for UCLA and Anderson specifically, I looked at it and I said, wow, that's really amazing. A, I'm an alum. So if we built a program that really is effective, that's a win for the university. It's a give back to the next generation. And then we can help build something really special that fits into today that hopefully what comes out of the university helps the community and everybody live better lives in general. Yeah, no, that's it. You, you and I, you, we swap messages on social all the time. You see me like triple down constantly on the theme of it's literally to me, it's literally about what this city and the region will be over the next 50 to 100 years. And people tease me all the time. They're like, but Rob, you're 55. Like, literally, literally, you just described a bunch of potential outcomes that will be long after you're gone. I'm like, but that's the point. Yeah. And maybe 25 to or 35 or even 40 year old me wouldn't have seen that or wouldn't have wouldn't have attached myself so clearly to that. But at this stage and age in my life, I absolutely am like, it's my daughter who will live here and who works in Hollywood and her kids that they'll have someday, like it's, and the people, the young people that you and I meet, you know, that they come through the university programs or that we meet at events and whatnot, like it's there. Like I'm here to help bridge, to build the better version of the place for them. Yes. And you do a great job. I mean, the role you play in LA is amazing. 
you know, your network is huge. You are out there and it's just pure energy. It's people who really enjoy, I think, the challenge of building. Yeah. Uh, and we all come together and I think we're seeing results. It's it's a fantastic time, I think, to be a founder and to live in, in LA. And then, you know, you and I were also talking before about the weather and the lifestyle in LA. I mean, the amount of Michelin restaurants now, the amount of different cultures in different parts, you know, be it K-Town or down DTLA, there's amazing food, there's amazing cultural exhibits happening on the art artistic side. The weather, it's just a really uh, fascinating time. And, you know, I think a lot of people like to hate LA, but what's interesting, I think on the venture side now, California is really starting to merge, right? Those yeah. two cities are bleeding to the middle. And there will, will not be two pockets. It'll just be the state of California because uh, you have ag tech in the middle. We have a company right now that'll be showing at our demo day in a few weeks. The name of the company is called UAVIQ, but he's a Navy pilot who now pilots drones that drops healthy bugs that eats the bad bugs and then they all die. Wow. So, you're, so the, you know, sustainable farming, it is not killing the current irrigation equipment that's already in all the, could be strawberries, wineries, whatever. And it's really hot technology, but you just see all this that just services the entire state, which is amazing. And venture, I think, is following in the, in that suit as well. You've seen a lot of the big VC companies come to LA. Uh, so there's really a nice bridge, I think, happening as well right now. No, totally great. You get the work that like great guys like Eric Aid and Andy Wilson, and they're doing at the Alliance for SoCal and just kind of trying to regionalize things, You know, trying to build bridges with the folks in San Diego who have their own vibrant kind of technology and pharmaceutical bio life sciences world, but, you know, have always kind of just been off down there on their own on the other side of Orange <laughs> County. And then even again, even the folks in Orange County who yeah. like are around the universities are trying to kind of modernize and refresh themselves. It's, no, it's an exciting time. All right. So I want to go back in time a little bit though. How does, how does young you coming out of university wind up with your first gig at P&G? Cause that I, I, I'm not a, CPG industry person. I'm fascinated by it, like you are, by the metrics, by the scale of it all. But from what I've understood, like if, if you're getting into that, like that's getting that's getting drafted by the best franchise. Like you're going to work at Procter Gamble. That's then the finishing school for a career in those industries. <laughs> I appreciate that actually. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was in finance before my MBA and I knew that. I like, like I said, the people side, the kind of the human behavior. So I can crank the numbers. That's not a problem. But to me, that was missing a little bit of the element in business that I was hoping to get. So I thought marketing might be it. I was always fascinated. Um, Pre-MBA, I did some consulting. And I always thought, you know, the part of who's the leadership team, what problem are they trying to solve? You know, a lot of the things that today we just naturally associate with startups. Back then, nobody really talked about, but I kind of liked that. And I thought that was maybe marketing. And so I talked to some people and they said, you know, maybe go get a master's. That would be an interesting way to go. So when I was at UCLA Anderson, that, you know, I got out in 1992. And so the, the best ways you got out of uh, MBAs back then were investment banking, corporate finance, consulting, marketing, and other. And because I always felt like I had that entrepreneurial bug, for me, marketing was the closest I could get to it. At Procter, as a brand manager, you own the P&L. Okay. And I knew that that was important to really launching and running a company is how do you run that? You know, what goes into that? Because that's really the backbone of the company. And to your point, Procter's the best. So I did get recruited and I did get the job. And so I went out and started uh, the career there. And then, you know, came back out here, 
a year later uh, to get into entertainment. But really what was interesting is Disney was starting their consumer products division and they were looking for people that had some baseline in how to go to market, if you will, mm. but not too much. Uh, because Procter, because the Procter, they had a ton of data. You have everything at your, you had all the tools as a brand manager. And Disney starting out consumer products, they did not have that. They had amazing IP, but not the underlying science and maybe discipline, formally trained marketing people. So they reached back out. So they reached out to me through a faculty here at Anderson and said, do you want to make that jump? I know Bill is amazing. He's a legend. So you, because you had physically went to work in, Procter Gamble's what, Cincinnati? It is Cincinnati, I did. Okay, so you, okay, that's a big, for the California girl. Oh yeah, I did not know how to drive in the snow. So Walt Walt Disney's like, come home. Yeah, 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 like get some sunshine. Oh yeah, I parked, yeah, I famously parked my car in a snowbank and a few things while I was in Cincinnati. And I had my California license plates on, thank God, because they knew (laughs) I couldn't drive in it. Anyway, so it was really good training, but um, I did want to get back to the coast. And so I had no intention of going into entertainment. And then when I talked to some of the people at the company, I'm like, this is interesting. It's really entrepreneurship, right? They were starting something new. I was really intrigued. Uh, I thought it was cutting across the entire studio and seeing what Disney could do. And then, you know, at that point in time, consumer products grew to be the number one revenue stream for the studio, Yeah, uh, just leveraging all the IP. So. That was really fun. I really, I enjoyed that. I actually did two tours of duty at Disney, as I say, because I felt they too uh, recruited really high, ca- highly capable people. And I think at the end of the day, right, like I think all of us, if you're in the startup ecosystem, we're tortured souls at some base level that you'd rather be with people that are going to challenge you and make the day difficult in light of getting to a better product than ha- working with someone who just doesn't care and is going to yes man you. No, that's a fork in my eyeball. Like, no, you know, argue with me. Let's debate this. Let's let's see how good can we make this right. That's fun. That'll get me out of bed every day. And and again, like you hit on like if if you use sporting metaphors, right? I mean, you hit on like the hey, I played for like the top six franchises that existed in that era. All right. So so eventually, you wind up at Amazon as well. Yeah. Talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I launched a product at Amazon. So Amazon was looking to launch a few products to game developers. So it was a it was a combo between AWS, Amazon Web Services, and their game group. And Amazon is uh, structured very siloed, but very entrepreneurial. And so one of my old colleagues, Patrick Buechner from uh, EA, said, hey, I think they could use your background. So I came in and launched a product called GameLift, which is still up. And running. So it is a back end product for cloud uh, engineers for massive multiplayer games. Okay. So I did that. And because I am a sun person, I would be sitting in my hotel room on weekends in the rain, setting to pass my AWS certificate. And I would look on social media and see all my friends like you walking around in the sunshine, Runyon Canyon, playing (laughs) tennis. And I would feel sorry for myself. So I launched the product and then they wanted to keep the team up there. And I said, I totally get it. That makes sense. I said, this lifestyle is not for me. I love Seattle and I love walking the city, but I am an outdoors sun-driven person. So um, I came back here and that's when I uh, came to UCLA to launch uh, the platform for Anderson and UCLA. So let's talk about that because that, that, that's the crux of, of your influence on the community presently. And it's it's like an awesome journey to get to that point. But not only are you a program builder, right? Like, hey, come in with all your unique experiences and your energy and help us build this platform, as you say, from scratch. 
but you're like the Uber mentor. You're like the super experienced program. You're like, oh yeah, program. I can build the program part. But the truth is I, I can only imagine that like on a daily basis, whether it's interacting with mentors or interacting with staffers or interacting with the entrepreneurs that come through the programs, again, you are super mentor, right? I mean, you're, you're able to pass along these marketing, go to market strategies, market differentiation, brand building, like you're able to just intuitively share this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so like what, aside from the, Hey, I'm coming back to the sun and you know, of Southern California, you could have had a million opportunities here. Right? Yeah. No doubt. You could have taken all that AWS experience in the past and, and pick companies that you could have worked for here. Why go to the university side of things and try and build something for others? Yeah, it definitely goes to what we talked about again. You know, when I talked with the woman, Elaine Hagen, who runs the Entrepreneurship Center here, and I thought, you know, and she said, hey, look, you know, we just built out the space, but we don't have anything going on in it. You know, your background is weird enough that it might be really applicable. And I thought about it and I thought, you know, interesting. So when in LA do you get to start something from scratch and build? Rare. So I thought, okay, there is nothing here. So I could really get in and build something and have impact. Two, as we said earlier, ideally you get to engage with the next generation and give back by your own mentoring and by what you build. And three, if we do it right, it can also become a financial driver for the university. And so it was interesting because in the first cohort, you know, what's interesting, I think maybe for people listening is even though we're branded UCLA, we actually uh, look at our mission of helping the entire community. So this gets to the long LA. We take companies from Los Angeles that are not affiliated with SC. So ironically, in our first cohort, we had this team of guys, the company's called Habit Nest. Love them. They're still going. They're from SC. Okay. And we had a blast. They were so fun. They were, they're still doing well. But because we were smaller then, I could get in and riff on the whiteboard and do that. And now our program is so big. We actually, I, we're under resource. Like we really do need a few more people. Wow. That's not going to happen. I do have to fundraise and I haven't been doing that. I've been running the program. So I haven't had as much time to really get in and do that. And it's funny because I miss that. I am an operator at the end of the day. Uh, that's how I think. That's where I get my energy. And so, you know, to your point, when you, so we're practicing for our demo day, which is in two weeks, and we are driving a cross-campus demo day this year, which hasn't been done in decades for UCLA. So we have doctors, we have engineers, and it's really fun because often those technical founders don't have the go-to-market, the marketing, right? How do you do a business plan? So for me, it's really gotten me excited in all these prep meetings because these guys have got real products that are going to help the community. There's a dementia product, there's a breast cancer product being launched, there's a dementia product being launched, but they don't have their marketing or their business side. And so I'm like, this is the role of Anderson now. So we at UCLA and at Anderson are now, so this demo day will be a proof of concept of what we believe UCLA Anderson's role is at UCLA, which is commercialize a lot of the technical IP that's happening across campus. For a while there, we didn't do that. We were a little bit more siloed 10 years ago. We're not doing that. Under our new dean, Dean Tony Barnardo, he is like, no, 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 no. The business school has the knowledge, the know-how and the talent to help commercialize UCLA IP, period. So let's look at it at that venue. And so it's been really fun because now we're dealing with really technical people And you really see that engagement again, where we as business people can bring that to them and you want them to win because they are bringing tools. Literally game changing. Longevity of humans. 
right? But it's been fun because it's reawakened me from an operator perspective because, yeah, I think I'm a really good operator and I'm building and we're at a point now where we could build more if we had more resources. So I need to think about that because the program is in demand. We have people in the community who want to come in. We just need a few more people that can kind of help lift lift that. Interesting. It's fascinating that it's housed kind of in a university ecosystem standpoint. It's like housed under the banner of Anderson. But then, especially with what you just described, now this idea is let's use it as a catalyst university-wide. That's a dramatic change. It's a shift. And I think it's a really smart shift. And so then it gets complicated, right? Because universities, uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy. I don't don't get involved on that side. So I, I can't claim to know it. I do appreciate it. And the people like my boss who excel at it, and we'll see what happens. But I think it's the right move because I think it would help commercialize relevant IP coming out across the campus faster yeah. for UCLA. Historically, any university, and we had, we had in, our, in my consulting work, we did a lot of work down Latin America with big universities. And oftentimes you see like the true science, right? So the hard science that you're referring to is siloed off. And yes, sometimes they might have some, you know, efforts from some part of the university to like try and, you know, business, businessify them. Right. But it's like, oh, the doctors and the hard scientists are over here and that's a whole different language. And then we've got the young entrepreneurs in the general population and there's a whole entrepreneurship initiative for the undergrads. And that's a different beast. And that's a whole different group of people. And then, oh, the graduate school people, that's a whole different group of people. And so if if now there, which it sounds like those things exist inside of UCLA, but there's now maybe a, an awakening that says, oh, wait a minute, maybe the expertise lies over there and who cares where it's housed on the marketing banner the truth is it's an engine inside our university like any department. And so we could use it for wider good. That's That would be exciting. I can imagine that would be exciting for you. Yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, this demo day will be a proof of concept for us, um, but I'm excited by it. The Draper, you know, Google is sponsoring us. So we'll do it at Google at their Venice headquarters. Uh, the Drapers with Jesse, Adam and Billy are going to be there and they're going to invest that night live on stage, which we've also not done. Uh, but they're UCLA undergrad uh, alumni. So it's really trying to pull, there's so much value at UCLA and at Anderson that has been good, but now it's really being elevated. And it's the time to do it. It's the same as long LA. It's like long UCLA. And then you take that notion of what we are in LA and then open that up to the greater community. And so we do take companies from the greater community. And I think that's the cycle that you're going to start seeing us move into so that we can have a bigger play. And it gets back to what we talked about in the beginning, which is, you know, what's going on in LA and how do we win? Yeah, no, it's good for everybody. I, I mean, I often have, I have the opportunity to tell the story of Silicon Valley outside the US. And there's always kind of a misinterpretation of it having been just like, you know, something that was born in like 1975. And as a result of like some rich white guys. And, and I'm always like, and I have a slide in a deck where I tell the story and I literally show a slide of it like in an orange grove, right? That that was essentially the area of, you know, Palo Alto to San Jose. Yeah. In, in like circa 1920. And then I describe kind of the government involvement pre and post-World War II and kind of how government stimulated technological innovation in the Valley. And at the anchor of that story is that there is this confluence of amazing world-class universities. And I've always said that that's been the thing that for whatever reasons kind of just always got over overlooked in the story of Los Angeles is we also have a confluence of amazing world-class universities, ironically, maybe even more 
if you stretch it out to like the Inland Empire and kind of Southern California, inclusive of, of all the UCs and down to UCs, like, you know, whereas Silicon Valley is, there's kind of three or four that are like the anchors. Down here, we might have nine or 10 or 11. It's a lot. And to your point, uh, Bain Consulting did a study a few years ago, and they actually came out and said Los Angeles graduates the most engineers across all the universities in any market. So you got Loyola, Caltech, SC, UCLA, uh, you know, depend, you know, do you want to do UCI, UC San Diego, UC Santa Barbara? But uh, yeah, so we as Los Angeles do have the largest number of engineers graduating every year, uh, which is a powerhouse. And it was interesting because the Anderson forecast did their quarterly session uh, on Wednesday this week. And they're talking about, you know, are we going into recession? Are we not? But it was just showing also the strength of the California economy, which I do think the entire university ecosystem, right? Cal State, private, public, is why California is so competitive and will continue to be so. 100%. So, okay, before we forget, give uh, listeners a snapshot of the Venture Accelerator UCLA Anderson. Like, what is it? How, how big is it? Uh, give us all the stats. Give us the commercial. Oh, gosh. Okay, the plug. Well, we've been operating for six years, so I kind of view us like red adolescents. Uh, but I am proud of our impact to date. So far, uh, founders that have graduated from our programs are at about 85% success rate, meaning they're still operational. Let's see, they've raised about $240 million in VC. This was as of last year, so we have to update our data at the end of this year. $240 in VC. We've had nine exits, all acquisitions. They've had significant revenues. So, And then same like LA. We, we are a mirror of the LA market. We have diverse founders. We're running at a 61% underserved rate, over 50% female founders, every vertical possible. We definitely have leaned into clean tech climate because of the university, the government funding recently under the Biden administration and research going on across the UCLA campus. So climate and UCLA healthcare are seeing a couple big beats right now in our accelerator and across campus. And then you know, I always say our MBAs, we love them because we get our food, our fashion, and our booze from the MBAs and some tech, but it always makes it fun and festive. So we run three programs a year. We run a summer incubator program that's really focused on product market fit. We're only early stage. We do provide proof of concept grants that are non-dilutive. We do not have a fund yet. I'm pro-fund, others are, are not, so we'll see where that lands. But the companies that we have seen go sideways at this stage will come back and tell you that they thought they had product market fit and they didn't. We are actually spending a lot of time with faculty to come in and provide tools and ways to think about it because it's not a, it's not a formula. It's some gut and it's some science. And so how do you as a founder really know you've got that or close to that before you start to scale? So that's our summer program. It's only a couple months. We do assign mentors. Then we have two flagship programs. That's truly our accelerator. The application is open right now on our website. It will close October 15th, but that is a six-month program. It goes January to June. It, we operate hybrid, but if you're local, it's a lot better if you come in in person. It's at least two times a week. And then our other program, which I referenced already, is our demo day. It's called Showcase. And this is uh, really, it's an amazing event. We bring together uh, the community, a lot of investors for the companies that are pitching. We provide a pro bono program to help them do a deck and how to pitch both to institutional and private money. And then because it is UCLA and Anderson, we do like to have a party. So I think the night is really fun. We don't gamify it. It's everybody in the room wants to see these guys do well. And I think that energy is palpable. So it's really upbeat. It's a lovely time to bring together Anderson alumni who have had 
exits and are now angel investors and mentors and also life coaches. You know, people like you in the community, it's just a great time to bring it together. And so for me, it's the best time of the year for us because you get to see fast impact made and some success from that night for the founders. And that's a feel good moment for everybody. Sure. Yeah. And you mentioned before, I've never met a university administrative person who isn't under-resourced, right? So you mentioned being under-resourced and, and, and shifting to put some more energy into fundraising. So if anybody's listening, obviously strategic partnerships and relationships have been a foundation for you throughout your entire career, obviously, yes. right? So yes. if people are listening here in the community that are corporate leaders or investment fund leaders, like, and I, I know they are, they all know you already and they've all probably heard the pitch, right? But what types of partners, what types of brands, what types of companies or organizations should be working with UCLA in this venture programming going forward that aren't? Like what, what's the, what, what can we tell them and why they should get involved? Thank you. Yeah, we are having a lot of conversations with people, but it's the people who would um, elevate the ecosystem, right? So it's people, it's companies and A, you have the philanthropic people. There are people who are just purely philanthropic and that's a donation. Great. Always appreciated. There's an alum from Anderson, Bill Grabe, who's funding the production of Demo Day. He funds my position. He's an amazing guy. On the corporate side, um, we're actually in an interesting time because I think we're going to change the summer incubator program and we're going to build it differently. And the reason we're doing that is we're going to go more towards um, discipline and vertical specifics because what we're really finding is that that's you can't just have a general go-to-market anymore. It has to lean into the execution that's centric to that industry and that stage. And so I think what's interesting is we're structuring it right now. And we've been talking to companies like McKinsey, JP Morgan, we haven't done Trinet, but I think it's companies like that, because now we will have a specific part of our program that is centric to what they do. So their professionals could come in and speak or be mentors. We're also going to lean in and build, try to build demo day specifically for DEI founders. So it'll be we will make the effort to do a DEI founder to funder. So we will go through everything, again, stage and vertical and match them. Match bank, essentially. And so we're going to try to do that by uh, within a year. So those are companies that want to help build that out. So some companies have expressed interest and we're just in the process of doing that now. And so we're really trying to truly partner so it's a win-win. So depending on what companies' goals are for their missions, Right. And their goals, like Google sponsoring us, this hits their mission. But companies have DEI goals now. This would be a way to come in and kind of help construct something from the ground up with UCLA that they could put their name on, help fund so that we could take in more founders. Uh, because with more funding, we could bring in more founders. And that's, that's as simple as it gets for us. And so if you're a company that has a discipline specific, it could be a marketing person who knows how to do customer acquisition and digital marketing, you know, obviously somebody who knows how to do fundraising, an accountant who knows how to do books to get companies ready to fundraise, somebody who might be on the HR side who knows, you know, when do you hire, when do you outsource? You know, some of those decisions for early stage founders can be difficult. A lot of those expertise and those kind of companies we're looking to partner with. So thank you for the opportunity to let me say that. Yeah, no, 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 100%. I mean, I, I think it's uh, my personal bias, as I've said for six, eight years now that I, that was where we were headed, right? So that progressively I saw on the ground across hundreds and hundreds of accelerators around the world that it was becoming more and more difficult to generically teach like startup fill, 
right? 100%. And, and therefore was becoming less and less valuable to your customers who are yes. the entrepreneurs, right? So I was hearing from both sides. We do consultative work with the programs and then we would listen to entrepreneurs constantly. And the entrepreneurs are like, this just isn't, it's a waste of my time. Like yeah. other, than, other than the money or other than this, like it didn't, it was, it was just repetitive. It was the same stuff I learned in the other two programs I went to. Right. And so I kind of foresaw this, like we were going to have to, I didn't know if the industry was going to have it in itself to do this, but that we were going to have to kind of really narrow it down and become more industry specific or programs become more topically specific and then kind of glue themselves together in more of this kind of, again, use my daughter's word, portfolio approach to startup building. Because it is, it is it, as you just said, it's wildly different from, and here's an LA example, right? The young CPG founder who, who I mentor, it's wildly different for her to take lessons away, to learn, to apply stuff when she's surrounded by mostly people who are building like big enterprise B2B software. Right, right, exactly. Like, like, and yet those people could wind up in the same general programs. And then you're like, okay, we too, like, whoop, they were like on a, compl- and, and yet the program aren't programs and nobody's fault. It's just how the industry has evolved. Like the programs just weren't, didn't solve that. They didn't, they weren't built for that. They were built for yes. like mass, mass dissemination of information. So that's exciting to hear. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. yeah, you know, it is. And again, it's interesting for us too, because I always tell everybody that honestly, we're like, a, we function like a startup. Meaning, look, our dean is like, just make these guys successful. That's your job. So we're talking to the founders. You know, those are our customers. Like, look, if this is a waste of your time, then it's a waste of my time. I have a thick skin. Give us feedback. You know, what are we missing? What do you need more of? I think we I think we have a pretty good roadmap, but, you know, we're not perfect. So what can we do differently? And we're constantly pivoting too, just to stay competitive and move to where we think the market is going and where the founders need. And so. It's more fun for us, too, because we're not resting on our laurels. It's like, no, there's a reason why we're operating at 85 percent success, because we're constantly driving change. Yep. No. And it gives you, as you said, if you can, if, if with more resources and, and bigger, more committed partners, you can widen the aperture and therefore take in more people to support. Right. Then that also allows you to focus on some of the things that you're super passionate about and that you live by example, which is these underserved, underrepresented, undersupported founders. Right. So like we know we have a ton of stats from Pledge LA, which is the community driven organization here, which already tells the world that, you know, while while we know that women, for example, or people of color are woefully underfunded in the venture space to the tunes of like what two percent or two and a half percent for women yeah. and like one percent or less for people of color. Like while that's true, we also know that here in Los Angeles, while we still have a ton of work to do, our numbers are like three times that. So like uh, women were funding at like six to seven to 8% of our total funding and underrepresented people of color founders were funding at like four or 5%. So we're like way outstripping the rest of the country on average, which is incredible. I think we should be screaming that from the mountaintops. Like if you're a woman founder or a person of color founder, like you should be in Los Angeles because you're, you're, if we're just going to talk math, your chances went exponentially up by being here. Having said that, I know you believe the same thing I do. Not we can or we should. Like we need to do more. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy to me in my six years here that the numbers have not really budged a lot. And even during the pandemic, right? You know, there were a lot of funds that were by women for women, or you know, whatever meme. Yep. So that's one of the reasons why we have leaned in. Like my team is completely women, 
but we've leaned into it because there's really incredibly talented founders that just are not being allowed access or even to the playing field. And you're like, that's horrible. So, and you know, women do live, you know, they do experience life differently, right? So do people of color, so do immigrants. So it's like, everybody's got value. And how do we help that? How do we help lift that to the point that we can? So we do try to figure out how to how do we help to the best of our abilities. And again, more strategic partners, like different, differently focused with different agendas, strategic partners, whether it's, whether it's related to their product or service or it's related to their DEI initiatives, whatever it might be. To me, there's no more natural a, an ally, a partner than a university. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, when you think about it, look at the faculty we have here. Look at all the different departments we can go to. And we do, like we move fast. And so we do have biweekly meetings with our counterparts across campus from all the five entrepreneurship hubs at UCLA. They are on a website now. And it's great because, you know, we're just starting slowly to kind of elevate and really expand that reach and support, which is energizing for the next, you know, three, five years. So one last question, because you sit in the seat you do, you get to see so much cool stuff. You already mentioned one earlier with the drone bug thing, um, which is awesome. Are there a couple other examples of some companies that that you're seeing that we should know about or tech or technologies? Yeah. Oh my gosh. We have a lot of really good ones coming out. I don't, I don't want to make you pick your favorite child. That's not fair. They're all your I don't. Favorite. Yeah. It's just almost top of mind because it's more uh, who are we training right now going into showcase. Yeah. There's one coming out of UCLA Health and he has a new over-the-counter blood test to see what your risk profile is going to be for dementia and then how to treat it. And so right now you have to do that through a blood test at a doctor's office. And this will be over the counter, kind of like what 23andMe or some of those, you know, more current over the counter. So dementia is still a massive ticking time bomb financially for the U.S. uh, because of the baby boomers and going into that. So that if you can behaviorally shift and then maybe also through medicine shift, if you know you've got a high risk profile and it's affordable to take the test and everybody starts doing it, like other things out there, you know, high cholesterol, right? We, we've treated the heart. We're way ahead of the heart than we are the brain. So he's, he's a doctor at UCLA. He's coming out with that by mid next year, 2024. Uh, so I think that's a really interesting one and can have an impact. I told you about UAVIQ, which are the drones for ag tech. Gosh, I'm trying to think because we just did our practice. Those are some pretty good examples though. That's, and, and we can, and anybody who's here in town can, can get to that event and they can see more. Yeah, exactly. And we'll live stream it too. Even if you're not here, we have a live stream on, it's actually on our website right now. So if you're interested to see, there'll be 14 companies pitching that night uh, from across UCLA. You could, we are going to live stream it so you can watch. All right, boss, you get to, you get to be the mentor now. You get to be the mentor for the day. So all I, all I ask of you is that you give us three, give the audience three pieces of Wisdom, guidance, advice, whatever you want to call it. Just condense down um, what's important to you or what you think people should be focusing on. I Yeah, I hear you. I think, you know, it's funny because now here I'll, I'll stand for the university, but we see a lot of, again, we only do early stage. I see a lot of early stage where people create a product before they've done their due diligence or their research. So people will say, how do I speed up? I'm like, by slowing down. Do have the grit, do the boring behind the scenes work. Who's your competition globally? What's your positioning? Is it sustainable? You know, what's your moat? All that. Like really know, really know the business basics. I see a lot that don't. And when you do scale, like I said, most likely those are the ones that will go sideways. 
And, you know, it's the it's the boring work. It's the stuff that people don't want to do. But I will say in the beginning in particular, it's the foundation of your house. If you want to know that you've got a solid foundation, do the work, spend. And then once you do that, I would also say spend a little bit of the money to set it up right. So we work with Holland and Knight, the law firm. A lot of people want to do, you know, other over-the-counter kind of approaches. And we've seen that backfire too. Like you have to spend a little bit of money if you are serious to set your company up correctly. And then, so your foundation, your platform is set, and then you can scale. It all goes hand in hand. And so don't be too much in a hurry. I mean, it's kind of crazy because you associate hurry up, pivot, get out there. And that's all true, but it's assuming the foundation is done correctly first. So that's one. Two is, um, we've talked about a bit, mentors. I never had a career mentor, so it's probably why my career is a little crazy. But um, I, I've had some really close friends who have had mentors, and I will say their careers much more elegant and probably did better than I did. And I think the, I think the X factor was a mentor. And so we like a lot of accelerator programs to the credits. We lean into mentors and I'm so thankful because our program is pro bono that people um, show up and they're amazing. And I think they're a little bit of the secret sauce. So whatever stage in life you are, have a mentor, you know, for us, uh, because early stage is tough, I think. And a lot of resources have gone to later stage. So there's not as much resourcing at the early stage. So one of the mentors we always try to do is an an Anderson person who's had a successful exit because they're like a life coach, like what you do. You know, you've been through it. You know, the highs, the lows, you know, you're working on 4th of July when everybody is out at the lake having a good time. So uh, we try to do a little bit of that too, the soft skills in addition to the hard skills, because I think this generation values that and different than mine for sure. And, um, you know, life as a founder is a journey. And then the third, and, you know, it's definitely because we see it again here at the early stage is give back. You might not be there at this point in your life, but by the time somebody we have in our early stage accelerator has an exit, there's probably easily 50 to 100 people that have helped them in some capacity. Don't forget those people. Give back if and when you can in any way you can, because It does take community to lift and do what we all do. It's hard work. It's dedication. I will say it's been a lot more work than I thought I was getting into, and it's been intoxicating. But, you know, I've foregone some personal pleasures to make sure the job is getting done. And that's the truth for anything you love and you want to do uh, that you think is meaningful. But I think for people who are just, you know, building their companies and it's difficult, this capital market's been difficult. I don't know if that's going to get better next year. But remember, you know, everybody is trying to help you. So remember, like everyone can help at different stages and different ways in life. And I think that's how we all get along because the macro environment we're living in right now, I think is challenging and difficult. And certainly I don't think exemplary of what we should be as a society, as a city, as a country. So help out. You know, everybody can help out. Everybody, every like you said, no matter the stage or age you're at in life, there's something you can give. It might you might not be able to write a check, but you have your time. You can have a listening ear. You can be supportive. You can share wisdom. You can give a speech. You could write a talk. You could go on a putt. Like there's a million different ways you can make a difference in your community. Yeah, Our, ours just have ours just happens to be a big fat love affair with Los Angeles. So this is awesome. Uh, as as we said before, we were on off the air or before we got on the air. We had seen each other once at a, an event like two years ago, and we and we stay in contact on social media. But this is the first time to have like a good, fun conversation. So I'm super excited about selfishly 
building this relationship, the two of us, and everything and anything I can do to be helpful to you and to, to UCLA. Uh, I say that as the guy whose daughter went to Berkeley and who himself went to Arizona State. But all that aside, still here, LA is LA is, is home and UCLA is the anchor, just as SE is and so many other good universities. So anything we could do to be helpful. But um, you are every bit of the energy and the zest for life and the competitive fire that you feel online. Like you are every bit of that right here. So it was awesome. Thank you for thank you for coming and hanging out with us. Oh my God. Thank you for the opportunity to tell the story and, you know, a little truth talk uh, where we're at and what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, and you as a leader in our community uh, are so representative of who we are and what we're trying to do. So I love that you're out there pounding the pavement literally and figuratively for all of us. Uh, it's appreciated and it's seen and noted and you need to come to Demo Day. I'm I know. Shoot you over I know. Yes, I'm exactly. the invite. Yes, absolutely. And so, all right. So we're going to list the demo day in the, in the, in the show notes. And uh, she is on LinkedIn. You can find her in, in that kind of vein of social media and contact her team, uh, which are a bunch of awesome women we've learned today. Uh, my team, my team's all women too, so let's go. With that. Uh, that's that's <laughs> I the do future. Have an awesome team. Let's just, let's just lean in. That's the way it's supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, I do. I am lucky. I I am definitely honored and grateful to have the team I have, and they are definitely dedicated beyond expectations. So and nice. Uh, and now they will have they will have to listen to the entire podcast to hear the compliment of them. Right, yeah, which like, is, where were you up front, lady? Yes, no, we got you in at the end, team. They, yeah, they do rock, and uh, it, it is a true team, and I love that, and. One big virtual hug to you, Rob. So thank That's you awesome. so much for everything you. you, who you are and what you represent. Thank you. Thank you. As always, we thank you so much for listening. Today's show was recorded in Los Angeles and produced by Deanna Bernal in Mexico City. You can always find, like, follow, subscribe, and share our show via any popular podcasting platform, as well as find us on social media at Mentors Today. And if you'd like to connect with our host, you can find Rob at I am Rob Ryan on just about any social media platform. Gracias and thank you.